Welcome here to Good Friday with Elevate Church. My name's Mark, I'm the senior leader here. And uh, yeah, we just wanna take you on a little bit of a journey. Some of you, this story may be very familiar to you, this, this, and you may know the reason why today is called Good Friday. Uh, for some of you, however, this may be a whole brand new experience for you. You don't know the story. Um, in any case, we all together are gonna go on this journey over the next 20, 30 minutes and really look at why today is called Good Friday. My sport of choice is triathlon. And so uh, one of the, the, the disciplines in triathlon is cycling. And uh, so I you know, regularly cycle. And uh, we live in, in Vic Park. So one of my sort of go-to uh, beginning uh, sections of, of, of various rides is to ride around the South Perth foreshore. And uh, for those of you that can kind of picture that area, um, around where, just where the sort of the men's street ends and then there's the jetty there, there's a little slip road there, you've got Coco's Restaurant on one side and Contra on the other. And so I'm often seen zipping through there and, uh, you know, dodging vehicles and, and, and occasionally vehicles dodging me. Uh, and I'm prepared for that. You know, vehicles, uh, let's just say when there are vehicles nearby, I ride defensively, okay? Car versus bike, car wins every single time. I know that. But bike versus bike is a whole different thing. You can kind of take your chances bike versus bike. You know, it's more to do with who the heavier rider is if you happen to collide with another cyclist. But what happens is, uh, you know, I ride with, with uh, some sort of serious cyclists and we can ride in bunches and we can be just a few inches behind each other and riding at high speed and, and everyone trusts each other. Everyone knows what the next ride is gonna do. It's all very predictable. People are very experienced. Um, and, uh, you know, we can ride for hundreds of kilometres in, in close quarters and, and not have any concerns about crashing or anyone doing anything stupid. Um, but when... When you go for a ride around, around the river as it happens, particularly if you choose a weekend, uh, out come what we like to call the weekend warriors. And uh, some of these weekend warriors, on any particular day, this is their comeback moment. They, they, they have not been cycling avidly or uh, ever for quite a number of years. And so, you know, people say it's, uh, it's as easy as riding a bike, is that, the, is that the expression? Well, seemingly that's not true in 100% of the cases because seemingly some people have actually forgotten how to ride a bike. So I remember a couple of months ago, I was riding, heading towards the freeway and was gonna head down south towards Mandurah and got through that little slip road and there was a guy in front of me, maybe 20 metres, 30 metres, and I was gaining on him just in front of Coco's and he was riding, but he was doing a bit of this as he was riding and, uh, you know, that, that sends off alarm bells to me. Whenever I see someone with, he didn't have speed wobbles, he was only doing about 12 kilometres an hour. So whatever the opposite of speed wobbles is, he had those. And so when I see that, I know to think, okay, this, I, I have no idea what's about to happen, but there's a pretty high probability that something's about to happen. I'm not even sure he knows what's about to happen. So rather than, you know, kind of just overtaking him, the closer I got to him, the more weary I became and, and, I, and I'm ready on my, on my brake uh, levers in case I needed to pull on them. Sure enough, Mr. Weekend Warrior decides right in front of Coco's, this is the perfect opportunity to do a blind U-turn on my bicycle. Right at the point when I was just about to overtake him on the right-hand side, he 
does his blind, blind U-turn. And now, look, fair enough. I don't think he had the confidence to look over his shoulder to see if anyone was coming without fear of his own demise. Um, But he just, he cut me off. And thankfully, I was able to pull on the brakes. And instead of colliding into him, I kind of swerved. And I thought to myself, you know, now would be the perfect opportunity for this gentleman to just, you know, quickly say, sorry, buddy, my first time back on the bike for a number of years. This, however, was not the approach he took. He started dumping on me. You stupid, I mean, sorry, it's a family show, but uh, let me just say there was a few uh, X-rated words thrown my way and uh, potentially a few thrown back. Unbelievable, unbelievable, mate. I'm the innocent victim here and you're dumping on me. And uh, anyway, later on, I was coming back through the, the South Perth area. This time I was on the, the bike path around, uh, it's called St. James, St. James Mitchell Park. Um, there's the Boat Shed Cafe and so on and so forth. And I was coming through there. And there's a dedicated cycling lane there, okay? It's got um, dotted line down the middle. And uh, the dotted line down the middle uh, in case you're wondering, means that everyone going in one direction needs to keep to the left. If we all do that, unless overtaking, no one gets hurt. But it's now later in the morning and more weekend warriors making their comeback had come out to play. And there was a couple of girls cycling ahead of me. I'd already had my near-death experience earlier that morning. My, my, my awareness levels were very, very heightened and I was coming past these two girls and they were doing the shimmy shake, the, the comeback wiggle. And uh, so again, you know, I'm thinking I'm just going to go slowly. And, and as I get up to them, you know, you say passing on the right. Well, you meant to say passing on the right. But if someone hasn't cycled for a while, that freaks them out more than saying nothing. They're like, you know, oh my gosh. So I say nothing. And I think, well, I'm just going to, I'm ready to go off road if need be. Uh, and so, sure enough, one girl leans over her shoulder to tell her girlfriend something, and, and you know, the bike goes in the direction of the eyes. <laughs> so I, I, I shimmy past, and uh, I'm ready for her to start dropping the F-bombs on me, you know, for doing absolutely nothing wrong. And, uh, and she says, oh, I'm terribly sorry. And I was like, oh. Now, which of those two riders, the man earlier that morning or the girl later that morning, do you think I quickly forgave? Of course it was the girl. Some of you who are parents, you, you understand this dynamic and, and you live it, in some cases, very, very regularly. Little Johnny or little Susie do something that mummy or daddy, if they knew about, wouldn't approve of. And there's two approaches that little Johnny or little Susie can take when they do something that you wouldn't approve of. And sometimes little Johnny or little Susie, when you find out about it, because they don't volunteer it, when you find out what they've done, the thing that you don't approve of, you say to them, listen, Johnny, listen, Susie, mommy or daddy is not very happy with you right now. It's not really... You at your best, you know, it's not really what we want you to be doing right now. And uh, two approaches, there's a fork in the road. Little Johnny or little Susie can just look at you and say, I don't care what you think, I'm not interested, I don't think it was wrong, so you can stick it up your whatever. 
And that happens on occasions, right? Or there's another approach. And you as parents, you try to teach this preferred approach. And the preferred approach is for little Johnny or little Susie, actually, in the first instance, to come to you and say, oops, mum, oops, dad, uh, I did something that you wouldn't approve of. Here's what I did, and, uh, you know, I, I'm naughty, and I shouldn't have done it, and I realise I shouldn't have done it, and I just want to know, would you please forgive me? I'm really sorry. Now, parents, which of those two approaches do you forgive? It's always the second. We, uh, we, we forgive those who sincerely acknowledge that they've done something wrong and sincerely ask for our forgiveness. It's, it's, it's almost natural. It's almost automatic. We're looking at this story today, this picture of three crosses on a hill, Jesus in the middle, two criminals on either side of him. And, 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 and the stakes, yes, the stakes were a lot higher than someone on a bicycle or, or a kid that's done something naughty. But the, the same dynamic plays out in this story. The same dynamic of having two approaches when it comes to forgiveness plays out. And this is actually the story uh, capturing the, the last uh, moments of Jesus alive on this earth before he, he died. He was on the cross taking in his last breaths. And, and, and here's how Luke record, recorded the story. Two others, both criminals, were taken along with Jesus for execution. And when they got to the place called Skull Hill, they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on the left. Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And printed over Jesus on the cross was a sign, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging alongside cursed him. Some Messiah you are, save yourself, save us. But the other one made him shut up. Have you no fear of God? Hey, you're getting the same as him, but we deserve this, not him. He did nothing to deserve this. And then he said, Jesus Remember me when you enter your kingdom. Which one of those two people, based on their different approaches, do you think received Jesus' forgiveness at that very moment? It was the second one. Jesus automatically, reflexively, no questions asked, no qualifications, unconditionally said this in response to the second criminal, asking Jesus to remember him when he entered his kingdom. Jesus said, don't worry, I will. Today, not someday, today you'll join me in paradise. See, just like the, the second rider on my cycling adventure, the girl, her asking for my forgiveness turned the tension around. Just like with your kids, when they come to you and tell you they're sorry and ask your forgiveness, it turns the outcome, the discipline around. You're still gonna say, I don't want you doing that again, but there's gonna be a very different approach to the discipline. Just like the forgiveness turned the situations around. This second criminal, by asking Jesus forgiveness, 
turn his destiny around. See, Jesus knew that everyone spends eternity somewhere. Do we hear this expression, eternal life? There's also an eternal death. Everyone spends eternity somewhere. And this second criminal, he wanted to spend eternity forgiven and in relationship with God, in relationship with Jesus. And yet too many of us are like the first criminal. Too often, we, we, we kind of, we turn our back on God. You know, we know we've done things that don't meet his approval. We, we know we've fallen short of his standard because his standard is pretty high. And instead of turning to him, we turn away from him. Sometimes it's because we're too proud. You know, we don't humble ourselves and just say, look, I messed up. Will you forgive me? Sometimes I think we actually, some of us have a wrong impression of God and, and, and we fear his response. We think that, that if we actually own up to something that we've done wrong, he's gonna judge us and we're gonna spend eternity in hell, eternal death, when he says, no, no, it's the opposite. If you come to me knowing that you've fallen short and ask my forgiveness, you'll get it unconditionally every single time. But if we don't know that about God, then this is not Good Friday. This is bad Friday. This is any other Friday. We need to have that understanding. Jesus demonstrated this is how God responds when we ask for his forgiveness. And then some of us don't ask for his forgiveness because we don't even know what this whole thing's about. Maybe some of you, this is the first time you've been inside a church. Maybe you form part of what I call the CEO's club, the Christmas and Easter only club. And look, that's okay. We're just like Pete said, we're glad you're here. We think you've chosen well. And, 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 and I hope that this story starts to paint a picture for you of what this is all about. It's, wow, I like Easter bunnies. I'm pretty fond of chocolate, but who knew there was actually more to the story than that? Well, there is. It's all about forgiveness. It's about Jesus coming and dying in our place so that we could have a relationship with him. If we take the second approach, Jesus can turn our destiny around as well. And that story that Pete read out earlier a story of two of Jesus' closest followers going on a journey, a seven-mile journey. We don't want you this morning to stop at the sixth mile. These guys recognised him, didn't recognise him straight away, although he'd been walking with them all along. But they recognised him at the seventh mile. And it's our prayer for you, it's our hope for you, every single one of us this morning, that this day would be a good Friday for you because you recognise that Jesus has been walking with you all your life. That Jesus has been just waiting for you to ask his forgiveness because in his patience, his desire has always been and continues to be to offer you that forgiveness freely, unconditionally. Today, you will be with me in power. Not someday, eternal life in a relationship with God can actually start here on this earth while we're alive in these mortal bodies. But we need to actually turn to him, 
not to take the approach and the posture and the, of the first criminal, but to actually take the approach of the second criminal. To say, Jesus, I know I've messed up. I know I've done things that fall short of your standard. Will you forgive me? I can't, I can't undo them. And, 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 and know that Jesus can forgive. Know that Jesus will forgive. Know that Jesus does forgive. One of my friends says it this way, Jesus came to rub it out, not to rub it in. We can't erase our failures. We can't erase the things that we've done that God wouldn't approve. We, we can't. They're, they're, in our, they're in our CV. They're on the resume. But God, he didn't come to rub it in to make us feel worse about our shortcomings, to make us feel worse about the things that haven't measured up to his lofty standards. He didn't come to rub it in, he came to rub it out. He came to say, you are forgiven, and in forgiving us, God says he actually wipes the whole slate clean. He actually erases all the bad stuff from our resume. (laughs) And we do nothing to deserve that, but that's the point. God loves us so much, he wants to give us a fresh start. God loves us so much, he wants to turn our destiny around. So that's something this morning. It's a question I'm, I'm asking today. Are you willing to ask for Jesus' forgiveness today? If you've never done it before, will this be the day, the first time that you ever ask Jesus for his forgiveness? Because his promise, and I'm just highlighting his promise. It's not, I'm not making the promise. I'm highlighting Jesus' promise that if you take the second approach, if you take the approach that says, Jesus, forgive me, remember me. He says, today, I'll forgive you. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. So, so what is it that might prevent you today from asking for his forgiveness? Is it because you didn't think he would forgive you? Well, guys, I really hope that this 10 minutes, 15 minutes of just sharing this story will Make it clear to you that he will forgive you if you ask for him to forgive you. Maybe this is just brand new, breaking news, fresh out of the oven like a hot cross bun. Well, I'm glad you're here to hear it. It should be the best news you ever get to hear that there is nothing that you have done and nothing that you could ever do that is so bad that could keep you separated from God if you're willing to ask for his forgiveness. He is willing to turn your destiny around. I want you to consider that. I want you to, right now, every single one of us, particularly those who have never asked for Jesus' forgiveness, I want you just to to consider doing that this morning. To take hold of that promise that he will forgive you and turn your destiny around. Just take a moment to think about that. And while you're thinking about that, I just want us to to reflect uh, using this song. Those weren't paid actors in that video. It's not a fairy story. It's real. The Easter Bunny's a fairy story. Just uh, sorry to break it to some of you. The story of Jesus is real. Not hating on the Easter Bunny, I'm just saying. It's funny, the things we reject as being fairy stories and the things we accept as being 
a bit more real. Well, it's Good Friday today, not because the bunny came. It's Good Friday today because Jesus came. And he came for each and every single one of us. He came to offer us forgiveness. And he came to turn our destiny around. Probably the only thing that I don't get about this whole story, because if I was God, what I would do is I would force myself on you. This gift is so good. You know, I was saying to the team earlier, we call it the good news. It should be called the flippin' unbelievable news. Good, talk about an understatement. I mean, it's so good. If I was God, I'd force it on you. I'd be like, you knucklehead, take it. And seven million people around the planet would accept, because I'd make them, accept my flippin' forgiveness. <laughs> That's what I would do, right? Because it's so good. But that's not how God did it. He puts it out there as a, as a gift that like any gift, the choice remains with us whether we accept it, whether we unwrap it, whether we you know, investigate its contents and whether we then put it into practice. And it's this gift of forgiveness this gift of eternal life in relationship, restored relationship with God, that we continue to walk with Jesus, forgiven, having recognized him and this gift that he gives us. So right now, for those of you that have never accepted that gift of forgiveness, I wish I could make you do it, I can't, but I wanna invite you to accept that gift right now. And here's what I want you to do. I just want you to put your hand up. A bit like you did when you were in primary school when the teacher says, you know, Mark Pomery, yep, here. Just acknowledging, yep, I'm in. I'm in the classroom, I'm here. I'm ready, let's do it. For those of you that have never accepted this gift of forgiveness, I just want you to quickly put your hand up and you're saying, yeah, Jesus, remember me when you enter your kingdom. And when I see your hand, you can put it down. And then we're just gonna pray and I'm gonna hand over to Pete. So for those of you that have never accepted that gift, just, just slip your hand up right now. When I see your hand, you can put it down and then we're gonna pray. Don't, don't miss the opportunity to take a hold of this precious gift to make this your good Friday. I'm gonna pray. Pete's gonna talk about this a little bit more in a few minutes, but Friday only makes sense in light of Sunday. That's why this graphic on the rear wall here got a cross and two other crosses next to it. That's only called good news because on the other hand is an empty tomb. Sunday we're gonna be celebrating the empty tomb. And uh, we want you here. More importantly, we want you to bring people here because there's people that have never even heard this story before. I heard it when I was in primary school because religious education, as it was unfortunately called, was compulsory. 
I heard the story. You've got friends and family, as do I. They've never even heard this story. They haven't rejected Jesus. They don't even know what's in the box. And uh, we are plan A to bring them. There's no plan B. So text, tweet, email, phone, Facebook, whatever you need to do, call around, take eggs, lure with eggs. To get people here, I want to pray. I want to pray for Sunday. And I want to pray for your friends and mine, the CEOs, the de-churched, the unchurched. God, thanks for coming to this earth and dying in our place, offering us this free gift of salvation. And those of us that have received that gift, Lord, let this weekend be a time where we're reminded of just how important that is and reminded of just how important it is for us to share that gift and not to keep it to ourselves. To let our friends know that you didn't come to rub it in, but you came to rub it out. And that Sunday we celebrate your glorious resurrection, this incredible miracle. And uh, that you would use us, that we would have favour over this next 48 hours with the people we're inviting, Lord. That we wouldn't say people's no for them, that we'd ask them, and if they say no, that's their choice. But hey, what if they said yes? Let us dream, let us imagine, let us be bold, let us overcome our own fears of rejection, whatever it might be that stops us for bringing people. And you, Jesus, you say you want your house full. I can't imagine it's more important than on Resurrection Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen.